1: So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, stocks, retirement, and more. Some of the top stories of the day worthy of getting hit. Um, Keep in mind we've had probably about five down days in a row on the S&P 500. it's okay. Chipotle is going to reopen all 43 outlets in Seattle and Portland. Basically they were closed after E. coli food poisoning sickens people. Now here's the damage to Chipotle. It's not going to be this quarter. It's going to be future quarters and do people not go there because th- we look at it and go, ooh, it's dirty? Um, yes or no. So the stock's gone from 758 down to $622. Um, it's still not cheap. It's a very expensive company, but they're doing well. I'd say if you can get lower, you know, you could start building a position in a growth restaurant. I'd prefer you could just keep it simple, stupid, and goof with Starbucks, but it's up to you. And again, consult a broker advisor for any action any name stocks mentioned on this show. Don't be so stupid as to buy a stock from something you hear on radio or television. Fast food workers strike, seeking a $15 wage, trying to use some political muscle. That's a political year. Good time to try to say, hey, there's a lot of us, 64 million low-paid workers. And uh, you want our vote, say something. Oil prices wavering after the International Energy Association warns about OPEC strategy. price of Brent crude could stay. At $50 for years, the decision by the OPEC Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries to keep pumping could depress prices until the end of the decade. uh, To me, it looks as if OPEC is uh, trying to gain market share, and I think it seems pretty well communicated on that. Um, But the ramifications of low oil are going to come back to bite probably everyone. And $50 is nice. It's not super low, but it's low. Um, there's a lot of poverty in this world, and when you give people jobs, they tend to smoke cigarettes and go home and show up for work the next day. So, they tend not to hate on America and hate on the world. Apple's cutting iPhone production orders by 10%, according to one analyst, seeing, uh, Estimates now below 80 million for the December quarter and between 55 and 60 million for the March quarter. The analysts went on to say hey, the stock may trade between 100 and 130 for the next several quarters, but I still am accumulating it. Tesla's got an interesting problem right now. Tesla's interesting problem is that it's a long way until profitability. Uh, we all know and we all have seen the cars, and I would say we're appreciative. But they've got a problem with cash burn rates. Um, they're consuming a lot of cash. And When you do that, you become, are you cash adequate or cash inadequate? If you need to raise money, you need to go to Wall Street and say, hey, we're going to issue another 100 million shares. Um, why didn't you do that, you know, earlier? Um, so there's going to be probably lower deliveries. Because the complexity of making the product, high price point, and challenging—you know—assessing the Chinese markets, so they're not getting that upside that like Apple gets. The average Model Three, which is the next car coming, uh, the average transaction price is probably be about sixty thousand dollars per unit, not thirty five thousand. Elon Musk talking about where people are like, hey, I could afford thirty five thousand, but once you start getting into sixty thousand, you're like starting to get into that ain't cheap. So. So, But will they sell miles and not cars? Will they get into helping companies out like um, Uber or Lyft and uh, automating the driver, getting rid of the driver? I see today that there's some... I live in between San Jose and San Francisco, um, almost halfway in between, and there's some debate on San Jose cabbies that are, like, striking because they want people who drive for Uber to fingerprint and... You know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's not the argument, dude. The argument is, what are you going to do when there's robots? Um, I get things are changing, and we're going to kill some low-paid jobs, where if you hustled, you could actually turn low-pay into good pay. Not great pay, but good pay. And uh, we're going to start working on jobs for the, uh, the lower middle class in the United States. Best Buy said nearly a 1,000 stores in 47 states will be open at 5 p.m. local time on Thanksgiving days. Uh, On the business side of me, I love it. On the social side of me, I hate it. You know, uh, on the business side, I think Scrooge was an investment god. He made people work late on Christmas. He didn't share any of his money. He was grumpy. He cut loves of his life out. Um... And then that Tiny Tim broke his heart, and he saw the ghost of the future, past, Christmas past, future, and I guess the current one. I don't even know. Um, but little kid's got dis of disabilities, Tiny Tim out of crutch, and I don't think uh, Scrooge is given health care. Health care is expensive. He probably said, go sign up for Obamacare. So. Um, but anyway, Best Buy story joining Toys R Us, Macy's, Sears, Target. On companies have announced they're going to make employees work Thanksgiving. Yep. There are eight deals already available on the Best Buy's website $125 off the iPad Air 2, and $150 off the 27 inch iMac with Retina display. SeaWorld's going to end the Killer Whale show in 2016. I'm kind of upset by this. I once dated a girl, her name was Anne. And after we went our separate ways, she kind of got whale-like. And I think she is Shamu. So she is out a job. And I'm kind of upset by this. Er, Boo. Bad joke, bad joke, great. So SeaWorld has struggled with its public image since Blackfish. SeaWorld said it would phase out its current orca whale show in 2016 in San Diego. Instead, it's going to replace the show with an orca experience which will feature the whales in a more natural environment and include a message about conservation to debut in 2017. Um, Good. I think the idea, and most of us will agree, the idea of keeping animals in cages that are that big is ridiculous. Just because we've been doing it for 50 years doesn't mean we should still continue to do it. So, um, I don't know. Now, Should we eat whale? Maybe. But should we put them in gauges? No. So, and I think that's what people under 35 are kind of saying aggressively with their dollars and their Whether they have children, you know, they'd rather go to Legoland than go to SeaWorld. Facebook. um, stock should continue its record surge. They had a great quarter. I'm not a shell for Facebook. I own shares of Facebook. Um, But when you have a billion people logging on on a daily basis... You know that's pretty crazy. H- hundreds of millions of people logging on on a daily basis. Um, you have a Super Bowl every day. Plus, like they just announced that Facebook is now going to let Messenger go into your camera, and if you took a picture of, let's say you and your ex-girlfriend, it may remind you to post that picture on Facebook even though it doesn't realize it's your ex-girlfriend. It just sees like you and a woman on a horse in the Grand Canyon. So messengers are going to start looking at your photos and trying to get you to post more content. How do you feel about that?
1: Thank you very much.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more.
1: (laughs) Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. Okay, let's say you have a baby. You go home tonight and make love, and uh, you have a baby. So he's like zero. He'll. What year is it? 2015. So in. Forty years, he may be going to a movie, right? Um, Retirement costs are going to go up a lot. By the year 2064, beer is going to cost about $42. A hamburger, $82. A movie, $71. How do I know that? Because in 1964, beer cost 75 cents, a hamburger about 50, and a movie about 25. Flash forward 50 years, and a beer costs, on average, about six bucks. But I'll say five fifty-six according to the survey. A hamburger eleven thirty-one, and a movie about ten bucks, nine nine dollars and fifty cents on average. So. You're going to have to pay more for stuff, and that's why your salary of I like using this one of let's say a hundred thousand um, dollars, and let's say you're 20 because this is just for illustrative purposes. hundred thousand dollars times let's do the math, 10 years times four, so that means you work from age 20 to sixty means you'll have four million dollars saved. Now you have to keep up with inflation though. No, no, you won't have four million saved. I'm sorry. I forget. Out of your hundred thousand dollars salary, you have to pay for housing. You have to pay for food. You have to pay for um, auto. That may change a little bit down the road. Healthcare is not getting cheaper. It's getting more expensive. So that's why you have to start saving now and stop living in the now. Live in the future. And ask yourself, now, again, I'm, I might make it another 50 years. I might make it to 2064. I doubt it. I'd be in my 90s at that point in time. Uh, but the dollar that I make today is going to not take me very far. It's going to be worth about 10 cents. So please take your retirement seriously. Um, I can't stress that enough. I keep talking about millennials, and every now and then I'll get an email from someone who's like, Why do you talk about millennials? I'm not a millennial. Well, listen to this. Millennials are changing banking pretty aggressively right now. Millennials are increasingly shunning big banks and going with local With their money, community banks won with younger customers last year, netting a 5% increase in account holders aged 18 to 34. Credit unions recorded a 3% gain. By comparison, large national and regional banks struggled to retain millennial clients, losing 16% of them over the same period of time. Bigger banks tend to charge more for retail services, and there's been an an increase in number of fees for account maintenance, whether it's overdrafts or ATMs uh, when you withdraw your own money and other services at top major institutions. So, we're in an environment where we're going to see interest rates creep higher, maybe over the next three years, maybe over the next year. I'll comfortably say over the next year. Um, And that should be good for regional banks, big banks. But they're also fighting the trout coming down the stream, and they're trying to go up the stream. Um, Very, very difficult. So, I'm not saying a lot of banks are going to die, A lot of banks are going to die. Panic! No, I'm not saying that. That's a pretty good scream. I wonder what the best scream of all time is. Um, So one of the the problems with living in the Bay Area is you get to see a lot of cool things before they hit the rest of the world. Um, And I bring that up in large part because there's a company in the Bay Area called class pass um, I don't even know if it's a uh, Bay Area centric I think it's New York City and basically a young woman wanted to go to a ballet class um, she had this aha moment and what she did was she took the business model of getting a variety of gyms and dance class studios in the area for one monthly fee monthly rate varies from city to city but it's typically 80 bucks to 125 Classes that customers can take are wide in range, including Pilates, Cycling, Zumba, and Strength Training. So, I'm not a a Pilates guy. Cycling is okay. Zumba, no. I'm going to look a little stupid, but my gym has what I need. Uh, But ClassPass basically is setting up subscriptions, and you get to try out the gym. And, you know, it's not perfect, but a friend of mine used it for a while. Uh, ClassPass acquired competitor FitMob for an undisclosed amount back in April. Um, And a subscription model on being able to use multiple gems seems to make sense, I think. Uh, But I can't say for sure because I'm not trying to predict what you are going to say or aren't going to say. Chevrolet has wrestled away bragging rights to having the most fuel-efficient pickup. Uh, That's kind of nice to hear, right? As long as it can still tow because people want trucks to tow. Colorado diesel is going to be rated at 22 miles per gallon and 25 miles per gallon in combined city and highway driving. Uh, the four-wheel drive model comes in at 20 miles per gallon in the city and 23 miles per gallon combined. Uh, um, oh, I'm sorry, that's the Ram. Oops. No, I don't know what I'm reading anymore. Um, the Colorado midsize pickup goes 31 miles per gallon on the highway, more than the 29 miles per gallon offered by the Ram. There we go. I was reading some other Colorado stuff. But uh, truck sales are huge profit machines, huge profit machines for uh, automakers in the United States. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get calls on the air. This is kind of good news, bad news. Sony has finally killed off the analog video format called Betamax after a 30-year tussle with VHS the Video Home Systems you'd be forgiven for thinking that it was already discontinued because you probably can't go into a Best Buy and buy Betamaxes. But they ended shipments of the magnetic tapes in a post on their website today. Uh, First started in 1975, the tape format fought a fierce battle with JVC's VHS to become the main consumer format. This was amid an explosion of home entertainment in the 1980s that also included video game consoles. Much to the detriment of cinemas, consumers found themselves able to record, rewind, and play back their content, so VHS became the product of choice over Betamax. So it was a technology standards war, kind of like what you see with Google versus uh, Apple. Um, you know, who? What's the standard that's going to win on messaging? Or are we just going to keep playing these all apart? Sony said Tuesday that the Betamax recording equipment had stopped being made in 2002 and had seen cumulative sales of about 18 million units worldwide. 1984 was the peak year. Look at that! Look how long it takes for Blu to officially, Blu-rays to officially kill Betamax. Which on-demand's out there, Netflix is out there. Again, some of these technologies linger. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black your money. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
3: Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you.
2: Good. Congratulations to your bears last night.
3: (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I was uh, shocked to see that when I woke up this morning. uh, I can't stay up that late to watch those games.
2: Oh, here yeah. Love Chicago. Um off topic. Um, let's go back on topic. Uh the stock market. It's been kind of crazy in the start of November. Uh certainly carrying that torch of crazy.
3: Yeah. Um I think you, you know one of the ironic things here is that we finally got the uh the really good piece of economic news that uh, I think has been missing for some time and you know ever since then, you know the market has not acted well. Um I, talking specifically about the October employment report, which was much stronger than expected. And the stock market kind of stalled out after that. And, uh, you know, and we're seeing some some early weakness here, um, which I think, you know, is largely a case of a recognition that, you know, uh, that, that the market was overbought on a short-term basis and that the run you saw beginning, you know, at the start of October, kind of got ahead of itself and, and got valuations a little stretched. Um Uh, before interest rates went up, and then now you have uh, interest rates that have risen noticeably in recent weeks that are, you know, calling into question some of those uh, stretched valuations. And so I think you're seeing some overdue consolidation here, and now everyone's going to sit back and watch and see, you know, what subsequent uh, economic releases do show and and whether the Fed can, in fact, raise rates in December.
2: Let's talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. I've been saying on air that we're kind of a shift. It's kind of a transmission. that may be a little bit low on transmission fluid. That is, we're popping from second gear to third gear, and that shift being higher interest rates and the market dealing with it. Um, What do you expect the transition to be as we – I guess I shouldn't use gears, maybe because we don't know if we're downshifting or upshifting Mm -hmm. um, with higher interest rates.
3: Well, there's certainly been a lot of – Commentary out there anyway that would suggest sure. the market shouldn't have any problem dealing with you know the the first rate increase. You know you go from essentially the zero bound to what many people think you know will be a, just a 25 basis point increase. So so the actual level, of the Fed funds rate uh, is not being looked at as as too concerning, and most of the narrative surrounds uh, not. Not the issue with the first rate hike, but what comes after that? You know, what is the pace okay. of tightening following that? Um, the Fed has, of course, reminded everyone that it thinks it can move gradually. Um, the risk, I think, for the market as we look into 2016 is that uh, if you get more data that has the same strong quality that the October employment report data did, all of a sudden things get upset because then you have to question whether the Fed can, in fact, move as as gradually as it has said it thinks it can move, and you get the market a little freaked out by the idea that uh, the Fed is you know perhaps behind the curve with its tightening action so um, so I think you know like it or not, you know we're stuck still with monetary policy being a major overhang for the market in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, we're going to continue to have to talk about it. Uh, And we're going to have to continue to, unfortunately, live and die, it seems, with each economic release to determine, you know, uh, what the path of the Fed funds rate will be. Um, So, I expect further roller coaster action, if you will. Um, You know, I don't know what the immediate reaction will be on a first rate increase. Uh, Probably depends on, you know, how the market traded leading up to that particular move. Um, But expect more volatility
2: okay um you brought up something along the lines of uh market might freak out i'm not i think that was your words. market might get upset um <clears throat> for me who is in my 40s uh for your children who i'm guessing might be anywhere from 20 or under market freakouts are wonderful things market freakouts are back 60 right or should it be rebalancing things now
3: right well i suppose you know you you touched on it there, you know, when you talk about rebalancing, you know, what what was your uh, investment balance, you know, where you, if you're in your 60s and you're, you know, in 90% stocks and all of a sudden things get really ugly, you know, that's not a good position to be in. So um, it is admittedly a a tough question to answer in a general sense because everyone's needs and risk tolerances are are different, of course. Um, But you know, what we've seen in recent weeks here, in the past week in particular, or really since the Fed directive on October 28th, is that you've seen a really sharp upward adjustment in market interest rates. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, could create some issues for bondholders uh, in coming months, if not years, uh, if we get into a position of where the market thinks that the Fed is behind the curve, and, you know, you start seeing interest rates... Move up sharply, and so you see subsequent, you know, losses uh, in your bond positions if you're needing to sell them prematurely. So, um, so that's an issue that people are going to have to contend with, um, you know, as we move ahead here and the Fed kind of uh, disentangles itself from its really accommodative policy. Now, what you ideally want to see, though, is the Federal Reserve raising rates because things are in fact good. You know, we should be cheering good economic news. And the equity markets uh, certainly can handle higher rates um, if they aren't being driven by good economic news that is going to feed into stronger earnings prospects. And right now, there's some questions that are hanging over the market as to whether things are, in fact, strong enough and good enough, um, you know, as the Fed likes to paint the picture, to – you know, raise interest rates. And uh, and I think that's why you're seeing some of this continued volatility here is that there's still not a, a consensus view that the market believes that the Fed is raising interest rates for the right reasons.
2: What else are you working on right now that you think is going to be interesting for our listening audience to hear?
3: Well, you know, one of the things uh, I will be working on is, you know, as we're about ready to turn the page from 2015 to 2016. And, you know, what that means is that you're going to have a new sh- uh, structure in the Federal Open Market Committee uh, in terms of who's voting. And um, so I'm going to be uh, basically profiling, uh, looking at profiling, you know, the new voters uh, on the 2016 FOMC. Um, And, you know, the early sense of things is they'll probably have a, you know, slightly more hawkish tilt than the current set of voters will. And we know going into 2016, certainly, that uh, the existing committee seems to be inclined or seems to really want to raise interest rates. And um, I think that that will carry through uh, through 2016 as well. So I'll be looking more into um, uh, apprising our readers of of who those voters are going to (laughs) be.
2: Speaking to Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com, kind of a question that you may not want to answer. With rising interest rates, should we start positioning ourselves in bonds? Should we wait for them to rise? And even more important, like a bigger question to me is, is the old model of, you know, like 60, 40 stocks and bonds, is it broken? Is there a place for bonds? Should bonds be replaced by REITs? Should bonds be replaced by high-quality dividend-paying stocks? What are your thoughts on the whole REIT debate going on these days?
3: Yeah, well, you know, I certainly think that there there's always a place uh, for bonds. Um, you'll, you know, you'll see that they will continue to be a safe haven uh, okay. for any number of reasons, uh, no matter what's going on within the stock market cycle. But you also have to take into account, I think, the, the strong demographic factor that will come into play, too, uh that as you know baby boomers move into the retirement years and and the leading edge of those baby boomers gets older and and less risk tolerant you know they're going to want to make sure that they can uh preserve their capital and so there's always going to be a position for bonds in, in, in one's investment portfolio um so uh, you know you have to kind of uh... figure out what you know what your needs are, what your time horizons is, what your risk tolerances are to determine you know ultimately what type of balance you you want to have uh but with people living longer now because of advances in medicine, you probably do have to take into account that you need to have more growth in that portfolio than you you might have allotted for in years past uh in some of your uh older years, if you will, um and perhaps maybe look toward achieving that growth. Uh, through increasing your stock allocation or improving your income uh, growth through these high dividend, uh, not high dividend yielding, but the quality dividend payers who, you know, have a long history of raising their dividends. So there's a nice, you know, potential income component there if you can ride out some of the volatility that will take place within the stock
2: market. Thanks very much. I'm Rob Black talking with briefing.com about the stock market and how to position ourselves with, uh, you know, the volatility and the turbulence that has hit us recently. got a little bit of a sore throat, sorry, people, so I'm using a a lighter voice than I typically have, but uh, Patrick O'Hare, always great chief market analyst with briefing.com and giving us some uh, perspective on the markets. I'll post that a little bit later in my Cron4 website, which is my Cron4 um, Facebook page, which is Rob Black, Crown 4 Rob Black. I'll post on Twitter, uh, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One credit card perk that very few people use. What do you think the one credit card perk that very few people use is? It's a price guarantee. And, you know, no matter the name, any credit card issuers and networks, including Discover, City, and MasterCard, offer consumers refunds for the difference in price should they find that item at a lower price later on. Discover will refund up to $500 if you find your item at a lower price within 90 days of making a purchase. City says it will refund the difference in price of up to $300 per item if its price finding service discovers a lower price within 60 days of the purchase. And MasterCard said it will refund up to $250 within 60 days. Uh, That's epic money. That's big money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM1220 KDOW
2: and iR radio station. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Some of the stories of the day, oil prices are wavering after the International Energy Association warned about OPEC's strategy. In its World Energy Outlook, the IEA said a lasting switch in OPEC production strategy in favor of securing a higher share of the oil market mix could keep the price of Brent around $50 a barrel through the end of the decade. Under a more bullish scenario, the IEA said oil could rebound to around $80 a barrel by 2020 as the oversupplied markets begin to balance. <clears throat> that is not something you should bank on, but it is telling you that um, there's a problem out there for oil companies, integrated oil companies. So if you get that debt cap balance, which we kind of got, maybe you want to lighten up on some of your energy shares. Um, again, consult a Riser for day action, on the stocks mentioned on the show. Um Oil prices um, clearly benefit us with gasoline, but they clearly hurt the world that counts on, you know, jobs to pull oil out of the ground. And you even get countries like Saudi Arabia who have debt issues because they've promised, you know, oil against their debt. And uh, we do not want that, in my opinion. The cost for caring for a person with Alzheimer's disease in the last five years of their life is about $287,000 now. So, you have to, in some way, shape, or form, start thinking about this. My mother has Alzheimer's disease. When I was a kid, I didn't know what that meant, but her mother had Alzheimer's disease. My grandmother. and I didn't know how to say it, so I called it Alzheimer's disease. Uh, the cost of caring for a person with Alzheimer's in their last five years is about $287,000. It's a lot of money. So my mom's in a home now getting pretty good care, and that helped out in large part because uh, her medications got regulated better. She wasn't taking them when she thought she was supposed to take them or when she knew she was supposed to take them. Um, Some of the things that we were like, I wonder if that's Alzheimer's or not. It was just probably bad follow-through on drug um, daily allotments. So we're going to have a lot of breakthroughs, of course. Advances in high-powered imaging, positron emission tomography, scans are giving researchers better diagnostic tools with which to view the brain, and a renewed interest in different brain proteins is providing greater clues as to which ones are responsible for kick-starting this devastating disease in the first place. Um, $287,000. I'm doing the math and, like, my mom's a little bit higher than that if you consider it a home as part of the cost. Um, there are now 5.3 million Americans who are 65 or older living with Alzheimer's. Some diagnosed with cancer, heart disease, HIV, have a better chance of surviving and have a better quality of life while battling the disease than a person diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So... Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying not to, like, bum everyone out today. Hey, everybody, I'm, I'm a downer. I'm sorry. Apple may be in a spot of trouble, Uh, at least in the short term. The Swiss bank called Credit Suisse said in a note that the tech giant has cut as much as 10% of its component orders. The cuts seem to be driven by weak demand for the new iPhone 6S, as overall builds are now estimated to be below 80 million units for the December quarter. And between 55 and 60 million for the March quarter. Credit Suisse also lowered its iPhone estimates for 2016 to 222 million from 242 million. It estimated a 6% year over year growth rate in 2017. They think such adjustments reflect a more subdued launch around the 6S and the 6S Plus uptake. The bank is not recommending to sell the stock, but rather buy on any dips and they acknowledge that shares may remain range-bound for the next few quarters, between 100 and 130. They think any weakness is an attractive entry point. So bad news is good news. Now here's a company with really bad news, in my opinion. And you need just to hear me. Tesla. Tesla investors should brace for a series of developments in 2016 that are pretty crucial to understanding its story company is gonna to continue to burn cash through the fourth quarter and into 2016, nearly a billion dollars. Third quarter results that they just reported demonstrated increased cash consumption, testing investors' resolve of capital adequacy. When they run out of money, they're gonna to have to issue more shares. And when they issue more shares, the share that you have will be diluted. So if there's 100 shares total, and there's way more than that, and you've got one share, and they issue 100 more shares, then you have half of one that you originally, you know, owned as far as value. You just got watered down. Longer-term ambitions of how Tesla advances the state of sustainable transport has significant room for appreciation. Um, They're having a problem challenging or accessing, you know, getting onto mainland China. It expects the Model 3 average transaction price to be around $60,000 per unit. Higher than the 35K that the company had mentioned, um, Tesla should eventually uh, have more ways to communicate any potential plans for mobility service, like selling miles, not cars, to investors. So analysts are sticking with a pretty high price target, but they're also saying, you know, here's some of the things to to be a little bit of scared, scared, <laughs> afraid of. I'm sorry. to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Facebook is a company. I listened to their conference call last week, and I own shares of Facebook. the Social media giant's recent earnings report was so strong. I think you should continue to own the stuff. You own it. You should look for levels to come in if you haven't. If you need growth. So, um, again, not everyone needs growth. So... Um Facebook stock is only up about five percent on a good earnings report. That indicates Facebook is climbing the proverbial wall of worry that defines healthy bullish advances. So there's a lot you could do with the stock, but I'm not gonna get into puts and calls. I, I think it looks pretty attractive here. I'm not black talking all things financial.